There's Ted's with drain pipe trousers and dibs in coffee asses and things ain't what they used to be. There used to be trends. I better put a, a warning here if people are in the car and you're listening to this and you've got kids in the car Nick and I don't really swear all that often but uh, I'm going to have to swear at least once in Nick's little bit uh, and Nick may well also feel that he he has to anyway so you might want to turn this down or pause it or or listen to something else (laughs) you see the Puritan in me will not allow me just to say the name of this record without (laughs) apologizing profusely for it so it's a record by uh i guess kind of new wave of new wavers as opposed to brit poppers but yes um smash from welling garden city and it's called lady love your cunt which of course isn't as offensive as it sounds when you when you look at the the inspiration for the title, right? It's, yeah. It takes its name from a, a Jermaine Greer essay uh, where Greer was contending that it was an act of, I guess, almost uh, violence, really, uh, for men to use that word to describe female genitalia, but to use it as an insult for yeah. other men. And she was she. It's a long time since I've read it, but she's basically arguing that women should reclaim that word, that they should take back all of these words that men are, are using, abusing and misusing mm-hmm. yeah. and reclaim them for themselves. So, yes, yeah, smash, very political, uh, very left wing, polemical, um, enraged uh, and certainly politically engaged. But Although I'm putting them in here as part of the Britpop story, this is this weird kind of crossover point, right, between mm. Britpop and the ridiculously named New Wave of New Wave. It's an interesting part, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so it's a, it's a record that I really like, actually. I can remember really clearly going to buy it and, you know, taking it home and feeling outrageous for having bought a record with a name like that. And it came in the sort of red sleeve and it was on red <laughs> vinyl. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's it's got lyrics about governments and oppression and men and women and gender politics. There's a whole heap of stuff going on. Um, you know, they were, I guess, yeah, they were they were like a, a British. <laughs> this this is ridiculous. <laughs> they were like a British rage against the machine, right? <laughs> I don't know. Um, for me, I think this is going to be the first first deviation from our loving because uh, <laughs> I, I think in in the title and the name of the band, I think the most offensive word is the name of the band because I never <laughs> I, I never liked them and I don't like this to be honest. I think it's a racket. And, sorry it's the same reason i don't like anything by pete doherty either mm. it, it's um i don't know being out of tune and shouty isn't always art i mean it can be i mean the fall is art i think but i look I, I i can see why it's there and i can see why you like it and i, I like loud music and i like fast music but i get the impression rightly or wrongly that the singer doesn't really give a crap about what he's singing and then uh when people do that, I 
tend to not give a crap either. Well, see, I think that's interesting because I, I think he does. I, yeah. I think they, in inverted commas, mean it, man. Um, and it. <laughs> it might be it might be an old fashioned uh, kind of we mean it, man. Um, but I think they're rooted in that kind of mm. that kind of punk aesthetic. Um, and you're right, it is a racket. And I, I'm, I'm with you, Nick. Not all racket is art a lot of people like yeah. to go down that that path for example there's a lot of love up here in scotland and maybe elsewhere around the world probably japan i would imagine um for the pastels um and a lot of people really love the pastels and i reserve the right to reserve a special place in hell for the pastels <laughs> because I they like have... the pastels i like the pastels <laughs> so there you go. Here's, yeah, here's the problem, like, right? Yeah, here's okay. the problem. And uh, you could absolutely say this about Smash as well. Yeah. Uh, and so, so here I will agree to this extent, right? Okay. That, that neither one of them really got much better. And I like to see evidence of improvement. Now, the, the Pastels maybe moved on and experimented with different sounds. But Stephen Pastel was atonal. <laughs> out of tune, mumbling from yeah. the moment they recorded different drum, <laughs> right up to whatever the last thing they recorded was. Goodness knows what that would have been. You know, I mean, yeah. he's he's not a anyway. I'm now going to sound like a, a judge on the X Factor, dear God in heaven. Right, okay, so we're disagreeing. I'm putting Lady Love Your <laughs> in on my list. I think because of that personal thing. Yeah. I think because no, it enough. felt like an act of rebellion to kind of go and buy a yeah, record. Yeah. But now that you've said this about the name being the most offensive part, I'm looking at the name written on my screen with the little asterisks in between, and it looks yeah. ridiculous. I always wondered if it was like <laughs> a, it was an acronym. Did it stand for something? Because oh, every time I saw it, I kept imagining the you know like the robots with like the mash, make mash say smash <laughs> or whatever it was. I thought. <laughs> Okay, are they are they trying to be funny? Are they trying to be like the Smash robots making instant mashed potatoes? What's the deal? Anyway, I don't think that that you know. I, I I totally understand why you would put it in, and if you have a personal connection with it, that's totally fine. And um, with with the whole new wave of new wave thing, I think within that, I think that's an important part of the story. And I think we'll get to these animal men at some point as well, because I think they're in here somewhere. And if they're not, I bought them up at some point. So we will get to them because I <laughs> I, I maybe use that as a, a, a point against something you said. But I think that that, that point where there's either um, shoegazing or post baggy, I don't know even what that could be. But then suddenly there was something which was kind of very kind of pre Britpop where Smash and these Animal Men and maybe even early Mannix was involved, you know. Yeah, Compulsion was another one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and so something was, there was something there which we could then take later and say, yeah, okay, that's a building block too. So in that respect, Smash, I will give you that as a building block, but I don't like the song. Hobart, Hobart paving by St. Etienne. You've got something to say about this, I'm sure. I heard she drove the silvery sports car Along the empty streets last night
No, I was just about to say that my contribution tonight is um, <laughs> sponsored by a very nice white wine. But uh, <laughs> um, yes, Hobart Paving. This is an amazing song. And until the, you put it in the top 50, I've never heard it to my shame. <gasps> I know. Sarah Cracknell has never gotten the recognition she deserves mm. as a singer in my book. And she's, she's great. And she's really sounded better than on this song. So that's all I have to say on this because I was blown away by it. But what I will follow that up with is, can you explain to me your reasoning for including this in a Britpop top 50, though? Not that, not, that, that that's not a negative thing. I just want to, I want to hear your story about it because I came to it from just reading it from what you've put and listened to it for the first time. I was like, whoa. So your story can maybe put in context. Okay. Um, it could have been anything from So Tough, really, um, which is the record that followed on from their debut album, Fox Space Alpha. And Fox Space Alpha came out in 1991. And in, in fact, when I was writing the piece on this kind of Britpop story in 50 songs, I was very tempted to start with Fox Space Alpha. Mm. I was tempted to go that far back, but I, I couldn't quite figure out whether or not it would have been fairly easy to do, actually. I couldn't quite figure out whether or not we'd already began to have the first grumblings of, of grunge. But I decided that pop scene was the starting point. And so from there, I had to then ignore things that had come on Fox Space Alpha. Fox Space Alpha had actually made a huge impression on me. Um, mm. I, I think it was the first time that I'd really paid any attention to something that had a dance music influence. Yeah. Like it was, it was good, you know, sent it to him. We're playing with all sorts of stuff, classic English pop, like the Kinks, obviously, um, through the storytelling, that idea of the kind of female-fronted band, um, the mod iconography, you know, the, the the use of imagery, images and imagery, some of the people that they were name-checking, some of the um, clips from movies that they were using on the on the records, things like Billy Liar, certainly on uh, So Tough, there are there are sections from Billy Liar and other kind of classic English, uh, I guess, kitchen sink dramas and what have you. So they were big for me for all sorts of reasons, sent ATM. And I chose Hobart Paving because, and I think what I said about it on the article was, it was modern, but it was also very retro. I mean, yeah. incredibly retro. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Take out the drum machine and the loops and what have you and just do it with, you know, maybe an orchestra in Abbey Road, and it could have been sung by Scylla Black, um, which is a compliment, by the way, because mm -hmm. I have a, a deep, deep love for, for Scylla Black's uh, music, particularly those early 60s records. You know, it was it was cool in all sorts of ways. Like, it, it kind of had a sort of frostiness to it, a glacial cool, but also, you know, kind of sunglasses on indoors cool. But at the same time, it has a kind of soothing quality. There's a warmth to it. There's a depth to it. There's a charm to it. Just everything about it really connected with me. And I, you know, I, I just love St. Etienne. And I think you're right. The Cracknell in particular doesn't get the recognition she deserves, but neither do Wiggle and Stanley. You know, they, they don't get the recognition they deserve as songwriters, producers, musicians uh, yeah, okay, so for me is the, the other thing about it is is that it, it shows the the breadth of Britpop you know it, it does include bands like Saint Etienne it does include things like Dubstar you know the, 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 it wasn't all just boys with guitars 
and it wasn't all just girls with boys with guitars. There were proper, if you like, modern pop records that were part of that. Um, and so for me, St. Etienne had to appear, and this comes very early in the story, right? And also they appear on the the select magazine front cover as well. They're definitely included in that kind of birth of Britpop article. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think if you'd have gone back to Fox Base Alpha, you might have been touching on kind of like the last days of even Manchester in that point where they, they were not so ravey, but it was definitely you know, a dance influence. And I remember that being a very big, big album for me before everything went played and dark. And uh, yeah, I want to kill myself and want to die. So <laughs> yeah, so I think I've yeah, like I said, what what a great song, what a great song. So thank you for that. You've oh, enlightened good. my life in 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 another way. Oh yeah, well, that's okay. fantastic. Well, now we get to something quite controversial. Not the song choice, but the fact that it means that there can be no other contributions from this band, and we're only six songs in. So my my next song was for tomorrow by Blur. He's a 20th century boy With his hands on the rails Trying not to be sick again And holding off the tomorrow London ice cracks on a seamless line That, this was really difficult for me, Nick, because like you, I I just love Blur. Although I'm critical of, of some moments in the catalogue, I love them. And to not be able to include anything from Park Life, to yeah. not be able to include anything from, I mean, I probably wouldn't have included anything particularly from The Great Escape, but certainly not to be able to include something like This Is A Low um, or Clover Over Dover from, from Park Life later on in the story. Yeah. Yeah, was yeah. very difficult. But I don't know how you tell the story of Britpop within my narrow confines of only two songs per band and for those two songs not to be pop scene in For Tomorrow. Now, we've talked at great length already about For Tomorrow. So yeah. maybe maybe just briefly, some brief thoughts from you about For Tomorrow. Yeah, um, like we've said before, it was very brave in its presentation because we we talked about, you know, the, the cover was very, you know, with mm. the Spitfires and everything. It was, yeah, I was looking back on, on a period where look anything which kind of promoted glory through the war was, hadn't, hadn't been done for a while and had been frowned upon when done before. So that was kind of a brave thing. But the song itself, yeah, I think when we spoke about it, I, I went for Chemical World as my, my That's single right. or my or my first choice from that album, but I still, yeah, th- th- there's no getting away from it. Or for tomorrow is like I don't know, it's 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 such a huge change from what had gone before, and a look into the future at the same time. That, That's right. Well, wh- yeah. what I wrote in my little blurb on on the piece here, the very last sentence yeah. that I wrote was, it changed how I saw myself how I dressed myself and how I defined myself and yeah. I wasn't alone. And at the risk of blowing my own trumpet, I think that's about as accurate an assessment of that record as you're going to get. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember uh, 
like when we we spoke about it when we did modern life is rubbish it was the same thing for me in a way that um although it maybe came a little bit later a lot of the people who had been dedicated to the stone roses the happy mondays they got a whiff of that they heard the rest they um suddenly changed their whole way of dressing their whole way of being and that that was a start i mean uh, pop scene i think is the the song which kicked it off but i think for a scene to develop you need a song like that to change the way that people see themselves dress themselves hold themselves what they think about and i think yeah i think you're right to put that in there and uh, for me, even though I, I I like Chemical World better, but for different reasons, I think that it's still very, very an important record, especially in this context and definitely has a place in the top 50. And, well, the, uh, the other thing about this record, of course, is it's one of the few Blur records that Noel Gallagher, and I think maybe even Liam Gallagher, have ever said anything positive about in public. Really? Certainly Noel Gallagher was, was quite... Yeah, he was very positive about For Tomorrow. Yeah. Um, uh, our, our good friend at Oasis Podcast might correct us on that. <clears throat> but I'm fairly sure that, that he did. And I'm also, I've got this funny feeling, interestingly, given what the next record is, the, the next person on the list also uh, had nice things to say about this this record. Um, so, yeah, For Tomorrow. Yeah, transformative. Yeah. Um, a, a really important Absolutely. record. Absolutely. So next on the list is um, somebody that I've got a, complicated relationship with actually uh, not personally obviously just you know as, as a as a <laughs> tell fan. me more tell me yeah. more. <laughs> um so i've picked sunflower by paul weller which of course comes from wildwood kind of yes. pastoral, almost Albion-esque uh, record that followed on from, I guess, the the failings of the Paul Weller movement, I, I, I guess. So you've you've had The Jam, obviously, who are a band that I'm yeah. not... A, I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan of, obviously, but I'm one of those weird people who really, really dig the new breed of the Style Council. Um, mm. um, and I much prefer the Style Council to, to The Jam. And so, yeah... You get the Paul Weller movement, who release a couple of really good records. I guess I could have included Aha, Oh Yeah, or Into Tomorrow for, on, on this list slightly earlier on. I don't yeah, know the release dates yeah. for those. And I, certainly Into Tomorrow, I really like. Me too. I think Into Tomorrow is a really great record. I um, like that album, actually. The, the, that album, the first, well, yeah, what we would call... Yeah, solo album. That's I, right. I presume. It's really good. I like that, actually. I, I do as well, Nick. It's... It, I, I would have that before something like Heavy Soul, for example. Oh, um, yeah, God, yeah. So Paul Weller then, he, he's a funny character to, to include on this list because I wouldn't include anything from Morrissey, for example, because I would say that he appears too long ago before Britpop, but Weller yeah. appears before Morrissey. But I, I really 
didn't see how you could tell the story of Britpop without Paul Weller featuring in it. Could yeah. you tell the story without it, or or am I right? No, no, I think you're right. I think you, it, it is a difficult one, but you can't avoid it. And I think you can't avoid it when you get to um, Stanley Road. Mm. It's, un, it's, it's unavoidable then. I think you have probably... You've got it right with, with, with Sunflower, to be honest. I don't think Wildwood as an album fits in with what were what was to come, whereas I think Stanley Road was maybe targeted directly at a new audience which had cottoned on to the fact that he was an influence to some of the bigger bands which were now developing and getting names for themselves, and they were name-checking him. And then, okay... I'm not saying he's say he actually went out and made Stanley Road become the Modfather. No, no, I don't think he in, did. No, in in but that that that's a more of a Britpop album than than Wildwood. And um, for me, I don't know, I love Wildwood as an album. It resonates with me for a number of reasons, and uh, mainly because it kind of it soundtracked a very intense and uh, all-consuming love affair I was involved in at, at the time. So it has a very special place for me. That's interesting. Yeah, and uh, the, the young lady with whom I shared that situation with would play Wildwood while we laid in the dark wondering what planet had just crashed into us. And uh, we're just I would just stare into that blackness of the room and just hang on every word of that album, every note. It was amazing. I, I really love that album. It's funny that to pick Sunflower from that, that would have been maybe two or three down the list from the album. But I think you have to take into consideration I was coming from a different situation there. There's more reflective songs fitted those moments better, which is why something like Foot of the Mountain remains one of my most treasured songs of the Weller repertoire for me, that one. <laughs> dream on the ocean always drifting away and I can't catch up she just slips away but Sunflower for its importance in his return to prominence I think that's, that's why it should be there where it is and why you've included it I think and as a song, it shines like gold. I like that you talk about lying in the dark and listening to Wildwood, Nick. Yeah. Beside this young woman that you were in this relationship with. Because the, the album itself, I said a few seconds ago, you know, it's very pastoral. It's very Albion-esque. Yeah. And it's it's bathed in the haze of sunshine in lots of ways. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird, yeah. You're and right. yeah, I'm. I was the same as you. I listened to this record in bed at night, lying staring into the dark. It's. It, it was very, I found it very soothing. There was another yeah. record at the same time that I listened to a lot as well, which was um, Dusk by the The, which ah. I also see as a great nighttime record. Yeah. Um, but for slightly different reasons, and it maybe works slightly better as a nighttime record. But yeah, Wildwood. I think it was the the. The gentleness of it, yeah, it's a very beautiful album and, and def- definitely one of my favourite Weller moments, un- undoubtedly. So it's Wish I Was Skinny by the Boo Radleys. 
Bradleys, of course, are defined wrongly, I think, by the massive success of Wake Up Boo and, and the album that, that spawned it. And I, in my head, I've got this idea that maybe the Boo Radleys, Martin Carr in particular, set out to do a sort of Billy Drummond, you know, just to show how easy it was to get a number one record. We'll, we, we'll show you how simple it is to, to create a, a piece of pop music that will get played on the radio all the time. And they went away and they did exactly that. And they probably made a lot of money out of it. And it's probably set them up for life. But it's a shame because it defines them, I think, incorrectly. Because that album that precedes it, Giant Steps, from which Wish I Was Skinny is taken, is, to my ears, a much more interesting album. It's It's got shoegazy elements. Yeah. But at the same time... It's rooted in that kind of classic English songwriting. And Wish I Was Skinny, what I really like about it is that it's so sweet and tender. Yeah. And it seems to reflect much better who Martin Carr is as a songwriter than something like Wake Up Boo. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I have a bit of a rant coming on. I feel oh, it. Good. Um, before I get there, Wish I Was Skinny, what a great song. I think it's a really lovely song. And it could be a beautiful South song couldn't it yeah i think can you imagine paul heaton or dave hemingway singing it? i can absolutely yeah yeah, yeah it's so lovely uh, but uh yeah a little bit of me died when the boo radley's released wake up boo to be honest i think every time it's played i imagine the life of a unicorn or a fairy being extinguished <laughs> it's so heinous it's so heinous that i can it can only be considered as some kind of plague somewhere in some fantasy realm you know claiming <laughs> mythical creatures left right and center as they choke on this kind of fake saccharine cheeriness anyone who says i love the boo radleys and then starts singing wake up boo they are responsible for the massacre of the smurfs or something like that <laughs> that's what i think every one of them should be forced to listen to lazarus or come on kids in some re-education camp until they realize <laughs> Until they realise who the Boo Radleys really are. So, yes, I like this song, but seriously, Wake Up Boo. No, 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 I'm not having that. I, <laughs> I had a flatmate who bought the album and he would, this was kind of like in, in the summertime as well, and he would wake up and he would play that. He would play Wake Up Boo every morning. Oh. And how I didn't suffocate the guy with a pillow or, I don't know, a dead unicorn, which he was obviously responsible for. <laughs> I don't know because oh, I hate that song so much. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, don't apologise. I, no. I, I I feel exactly the same way, and I, I I'm not really sure why. I think you're right when you talk about that kind of saccharine, you know, fake cheeriness. Yeah. Have um, you watched the video? Have you seen how like completely uncomfortable and horrible the band look when they play it? Well, see, they are suffering when they are playing it. And I was just like, so are we. So. Well, I want, but see, I wonder then, you know, why why did they do it? Do, do, do you think yeah. maybe, I mean, Giant Steps wasn't a big seller. You know, it was an mm. indie record. Do you think that there was pressure from the label, look, you need to write a Britpop record? 
and Martin oh, wow. Carr because he is a very gifted musician. He's a great yeah. writer. I mean, wish I was skinny, you know, yeah. Lazarists, come on kids, you know, I mean, pick a song. He's, he's got so many great songs. Oh yeah. 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 Has, has he just acquiesced for the sake of maybe, you know, an extra album on the deal or whatever. And he's written a, a song to appease the label to capitalize on the Britpop scene. I just don't, I don't get it. I would like to think that you were right what you said about them saying, let's see how easy it is to make something which is such a big hit. I would like to think that, that maybe it was a an artistic decision to show, yeah, that it's, yeah, this is how easy it is and how shallow the music industry is. But I think the rest of the album is actually not that much better when it comes to being so kind of no. cheery and bleh. I don't know. I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd like to find out because after that, they went and became totally unlistenable again. And of course, that's great. Line up. Line up. Single file. Single file. Quick march left. Right. Left. Right. You can go but be back soon You can go but while you're working This place a pacing round Until you're home, safe and sound Very well but be back soon Who can tell where danger's lurking Do not forget this tune Be 